It's Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal in the Bernabeu! That's a shaman! Giroud plays it in the middle! Ahead again! And Ramsey arriving! And Arsenal are back in front! Scores in the FA Cup final again! Just as he did in 2014! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arsenal Editor Podcast. That does sound sad because we are very sad. Yeah, we are oh. sad at this point. God. I'm trying to think. Obviously, we're going to dive into the analytics of the game and do what we normally do and figure out what we can do going forward and where it all went wrong and, you know, who's going up, who's going down, all that sort of stuff. But fundamentally, are we, what do you reckon, Connor? Are we trying to, like, brighten up our spirits a little bit? Are we just going to try and break it down and let, let the listeners sort of make their own decision? I don't know. What, 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 <laughs> how yeah. are we going to spend the next 40 minutes? I think I think we just need to lay it out on the table. So I think following on from some of the posts on the Instagram page saying, okay, don't panic. Yeah. Here's what we do. So I've seen a lot of references being made at the beginning of the season. If you'd said this would be the situation, you know, I would have chewed your arm off. Yeah. And I think I think that's the way to put it. It's sort of just to lay it out on the table and to say that what we're expecting now is as a result of a of a good season. But yeah. the problem is is that now we're expecting it. And it's almost worse to see it in our grasp and then see it fall on the floor if that's going to happen rather than just never really expecting it. So I think laying it out on the table and trying to put some form of positive spin on it would would be fantastic, but it's not easy. It's like like wading through treacle. (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah, it does feel like that at the moment. I mean, you know how, you know, we try and try and keep a positive light on it and there certainly were a lot of positives really. Um, and uh, it, it certainly feels like those positives are are dwindling quite quickly after a one nil loss at Southampton. And mm-hmm. I guess, look, nothing's changed. Spurs lost. West Ham drew. Um, who else is around us? Am I missing someone massive? Um, Man United won, didn't they? Yeah. Um, but that, but they came, you know, just scraped past Norwich. So actually, can see be seen as a bit of a negative. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, we went to Southampton and we lost after. Uh, after Brighton, within the last minute goal with Danny Welbeck here, it involved managed to score. Yeah. Um, in the last minute and actually beat Spurs away. And I, I, I don't know about you, but that gave me an extra buzz. It gave really me did. everything. Really I thought did. I thought we'd transmit to the players. What about you? No, of course. I mean, I wish. Obviously, I didn't try hard enough. Um, no. <laughs> but no, I I also saw that in my right. You know, I messaged my dad saying, "This is it. Three points now. Otherwise, oh dear." And yeah. It was, yeah, it was Odia, um, and it was unfortunate that we just could we just couldn't ride it. And um, some of the messages being sent on our sort of WhatsApp group were saying mm-hmm. that you know the fans slightly turning towards the the toxic end of the spectrum at the at the mm-hmm. final whistle, but not all the way, which is a good sign. So I think if there's any ever a time to get seriously full on behind the team, it's it's now. Yeah, and it's it's Chelsea away next that scares me because you can, you know, the the international break you can compartmentalize. Uh, you know, before then it was one loss against Liverpool, but then we won again after that. It was away at Villa, three losses on the bounce, and then another away loss at Chelsea, and suddenly it's losing five out of six. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably the hardest place to go at the moment, or one of the hardest places as well. So it's looking bleak and I'm hoping that the in-stadium support actually is, is still really, really good. Um, certainly was at Southampton. I've got a few friends that went there and 
you know, I think from from what I hear, I didn't watch the Brighton game, but you know, the the buzz of the people that were in the pubs and on their way to the Southampton game, and when that goal goes in, you know, the the crowd were lifted massively. I think that's kind of what we needed. Um, not that it ends up transpiring onto the pitch as much, but um, well, look, we, we, let's get into it. What did you think of the lineup? I mean, a couple of notable notable changes there. Yeah. So personally, I'm I'm glad Nuno played. Um, I think that for his confidence and and for us as a as a team, I think it's playing your left back as a left back is is important. I don't think it's interesting when you look at the stats with with Chaka in in the team at that point. Um, yeah. Playing at left back, they are they are decent, but I think playing Nuno at left back and having Chaka in the middle, I think is is the more sensible thing thing to do. Um, personally, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit Erdogan obsessed. I won't lie. Um, yeah, me too. Hey, but, aren't we all? Yeah, I think I think it was it was fantastic that he was labelled captain, um, which yeah. will lead into one of my questions later. But I think he, I think it seemed that he he led the the team well. He's in that role where a lot of the play can come through him. You know, a lot of it used to go through to Thomas Partey, but I think mm. a lot of that the build up play and a lot of the the final balls will will go through him. And I think that's important as a captain to get a feel for the game. And to be able to influence it in that sense as well, I think it's it's fantastic to to have him there. Um, and then I think Sambi is is the appropriate replacement as well uh, yeah. for Thomas Partey. And for me, I sort of take it a as a long term view. So I think Sambi's played this season more than he ever expected or was told that he was going to play this season. Yeah, and I think that's only going to benefit him for the future. I think he's going to be a fantastic addition, and he needs those minutes. And if we can get those wins. While he's getting those minutes, as well as he, as well as the the time he's playing for for Belgium, I think that's I think that's fantastic. Um, interesting developments in terms of Emil Smith Rowe as well is that if Martin Odegaard gets made, you know, the club captain, um, that's sort of a, another another thing to consider, another thing to to have to break into or break down in order to get into the team for Emil Smith Rowe. He's now. Yeah unlikely as unlikely to displace Martin Odegaard and more likely to have to displace either Martinelli or, or Saka, which is I guess a good problem to have. Yep. That's an interesting development if that would be the case. Definitely. And I, these are the kind of players that we need plenty of. Like there's no reason why all of those people can't be on the same pitch, particularly in, you know, late in the second half, we're trying to chase the game. And mm-hmm. these players are gonna need to be interchangeable because, you know, as we've seen, we need more than just the first eleven. And if we can start rotating, particularly when we've we are actually in cup games and we do actually have Europe, which is looking less likely. <laughs> um, I, I joke, I expect us still to get some kind of Europe. I mean, actually, I'm looking at this. No, let's not do this ourselves yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not now, not now. Not now, not now. Um, so, you know, we're going to need that. That problem would be a great problem to have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, if we look at who came in, Sambi, Tavares and Watt and Kessia. Um, these players are all uh, Arteta players, apart from Aketia, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and were brought in to be this replacement. The difficulty is there's two factors here. We haven't had enough games. Obviously, we haven't had Europe, mm-hmm. um, and then we haven't been in the cup run long enough to justify playing these players or having being able to play these players to keep them fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, apart from one cup game was against. Liverpool, and we were down to 10 men for most of that. The other one was against Nottingham Forest. And so this side of January, we haven't really been able to play them very much. Um, and the other side of that is the fact that we haven't really been two or three goals up very often to be able to just whack them on for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, just keep them yeah. in the game, 
keep them fresh. And I think we're paying for it massively. You know, we've got these players who effectively are cold. I thought Nunu had a, a good game. I, I, I thought Sambi actually was um, was really poor, actually. It was disappointing because I think he's got such a player in there. But we're paying the price for having to keep these players cold. Um, and it certainly started that way, you know, in, in the game. We, we set up, again, I think structurally we made a good decision, a very good decision to go back to what we've been doing, but just replace the players we need to. And I think in that sense, it was actually a bit better than Brighton. It was mm-hmm. definitely better than Palace. Yeah. We just couldn't get over the line. So how, how how do we feel about the game in general and how it progressed? Yeah, I mean, looking at it, if what we're complaining about is is the squad depth, I think there's an interesting positive side to it. So I don't think, at least, I hope not, the majority of Arsenal fans are complaining about Arteta anymore. Um, mm. And I hope that we're not complaining as much about the system because you can see that it works. You can see that Arteta ball is, is slowly yeah. getting there. And I think if we're now complaining about the squad depth, that's a more fixable solution mm. than trying to replace a manager and trying to, to change the system drastically. So I think in that sense, um, I was happy to see that Arteta was sticking to his guns. I thought it was a, an opportunity for, for Eddie to, to take the game by, by the reins. And yeah. um, he did really well for that interception to, to then get on uh, to that Saka chance where Forster pulled out an unbelievable save. But you always say that, that those kinds of chances should be going in. Yeah, they really um, should be. But he, he did do well. And that's, I've always said that, uh, at least to, to myself, that that's Eddie's game. He pinches the ball, he yep. gets those toe pokes in the box, and he's that fox in the box that will get you those kinds of goals. Unfortunately, he's not the link-up player that I think um, Arteta's looking for. Um, and, you know, Lacazette does provide that, and I think we missed that in the game. Um, but I think... We going on. We could have we could have snatched the a two one win if we just put away our, our chances and been and been clinical in that sense. But mm-hmm. I think that knowing Arsenal and having supported them all my life, I wouldn't be surprised if we then go and and pull an absolute blinder against Chelsea. Yeah, how, how Arsenal works. So I hope that the dressing room is not panicking as a result. So I think the game can go either way. You can either see it with a positive spin, or you can definitely go down the rabbit hole of this is not ideal. And so I find that in terms of my, my view of the game, it's, it was a missed opportunity. Yeah. But let's, let's not make it a missed opportunity that then costs us something that we, we truly desire towards the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a few things to unpack there. I'm just making sure I write all this down so I can uh, uh, make sure I respond to all of them appropriately. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a massive missed opportunity, right? I mean, any time that somebody directly above you loses points and you immediately after uh, drop points to a very winnable game, it's it's, it's always going to be hugely disappointing. It's a certainly a missed opportunity and it, it definitely feels like that. And I think there's a flat atmosphere and you can feel the sort of toxic nature of stuff sort of brewing online. And um, I do think it's interesting what you say about Arteta in the sense that people are more sold on the system and they're perhaps leaning on the personnel and the squad depth. And I've got a question about that for you later. Um, but I certainly did start to see Arteta being questioned. And, and actually, that goes back to after we lost against Brighton, you know, Unai Emery pulls out, out the bag an unbelievable, um, you know, win against Bayern Munich and all that sort of stuff. And it's just, firstly, I want to say it's so irrelevant. It's, it's so really irre- irrelevant. Oh, Sorry. Like, I don't know any Arsenal fan, player, 
very specifically players who wanted Emery at the club. Like he was done. He was like, you know, for, for all the points, whatever you want to call it, when we were winning with uh, with Emery, it was crap. Like we were not playing well. We were riding our luck and, you know, I don't know how we did what we did. And he just, maybe the language barrier was too far. Plus they're seventh in the league in Spain. He's always been a cup manager and that's what we bought him for. We got to a final, didn't work out anyway. Um, so, so, so I've certainly seen a lot of people lean on that and say, oh, I'll test this, I'll test that. And uh, I, I think Arteta's got a lot of flaws and I think that's also fine. He's a learning manager. Um, I still think he has the capacity to do it. What I worry about um, in games like Brighton are some questionable decisions and I, we're seeing in some high-pressure moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, maybe some of the fruits of his man management skills, which I think for the right players are incredible. Um, but perhaps doesn't bring in other players when like a 13 year man squad really is very thin, like yep. super thin. And if you can't keep the other players happy, we, we do end up in scenarios like this. And perhaps you'll learn from this. I hope so anyway. But, you know, we'd look at the VRL game last year and the one against uh, Olympiacos and then just things like that. And it's, and we had, we do have these runs of three, four, five games and, it can take a long time for him to learn, but I still think he can do it. We've got the rest of the season to go. Mm-hmm. Treat it like a cup runner 2020 won't be sound. Um, <laughs> but um, it's a tough one. It, it, it really is. And um, I'm, I, I do understand why people would lose faith in him for things like this. Um, but if we look at Eddie and Eddie Nketiah specifically, um, uh, and actually, sorry, so one more thing about Arteta was, because you did mention it, Perhaps we should talk about this before we get on to Eddie. Um, like, Arteta is his own systems manager. Like, he can do what he has his vision for. And anything outside that, I do think he struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, again, which is fine if you're going to be an elite team. But, like, for example, I put Saka or Martinelli in another team in my head with another manager. And, like, I kind of feel like maybe other managers would be getting more out of him once they've got a slightly more dysfunctional system, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, they're young and they're performing very well. Martinez a little bit goal shy at the moment. You know, I, don't, I don't know. Do you think there's any truth in that? Or I don't know. Maybe a bit more of a chaos manager or something. I can't really think where to place my, my thoughts on this. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question. And it's, it's almost a question that never really has an answer. There's always no. the what if. And it's always the, oh, if he was under a, a Klopp or a Guardiola or, or someone else, then of course they'd play differently and they'd learn different things. That's the whole point of having a a different coach and a different mm. influence on your, your playing career. But I think in this sense, it's, it's a tough question. And I don't know. It, it's, I don't know if it's the a beneficial question to ask mm. um, because then we're talking about players who are needing to, to leave in order to, to get better. And I think, you know, if you go under what, whichever top coach, you're going to learn different things and, and hopefully develop. Um, yeah. I do believe that, Looking at what Ateta did with, with Raheem Sterling and a little bit with Trey Jesus as well, I think he's definitely got that that criteria. I think that was one of the main criteria that we got Ateta for was his player development skills, mm. and and I think just nurturing the you know the twenty year old, twenty two year olds is is the right way to do it, and and getting them excited about playing football is is the way to go. And I mean, Zach has been doing brilliantly, and I he think has. that's down to him, but also a little bit down to the the coaching staff and. You know, because we mentioned him, Unai Emery as well, who gave him his, his first debut. So um, I think that in terms of man management, Arteta definitely has strong criteria for that. Mm. I hope that 
in Saka's mind, in Martinelli's mind, in Emil Smith Rowe's mind, that Arsenal keeps being a place where they see themselves developing day in, day out, every day on the on the training pitch. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, and perhaps you know, something like this game is that when we do lose a couple of players, the spine really, you know, if we have Tommy Asu, Tierney, Partey, and Lacazette all out, mm. those are all your senior players, really. Mm. And your attacking threat, whilst Lacazette doesn't provide a necessarily specific attacking threat, he, he really does on his good days, really provide oil in the engine that allows the attacking threat to work and with party pushing things forward, Tommy Asu and Tiny pushing up, all that sort of stuff. It's a, it's a real chunk of the first team out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you don't necessarily have proper backup, it's quite concerning. But I think that left an over-reliance, certainly has over the last three games, on Saka and Martinelli. And apart from anything else, I just think that makes us so easy to defend or at least read. Mm-hmm. Stack up your numbers on Martinelli and Saka because that's her attacking threat. Bosh. They've got no, like I said, no party. They're going to have to go around the wings. Anything through the central spaces or the half spaces are going to be very tough for them to do anything with because they haven't got the personnel at the moment. Mm-hmm. It means Odegaard's going to be limited. Smith Rowe's going to be struggling a little bit. And uh, we're going to be relying on uh, Cedric to take crosses and free kicks. So, yeah. um, <laughs> I mean... Uh, yeah, and Eddie himself, I, I, I think it was a um, uh, one of a few of the uh, selections we could have done, that none of which were going to be perfect. And I think mm-hmm. he did okay. His game was shown to be pretty good when he made that sack of chance. And I'm gutted he didn't put it away, like you say. But when we don't, when we when we when we create limited chances, I know we had quite a number of shots, but when you have the real Smith throw chance, it doesn't quite get the, you know it falls to him and he doesn't quite come off his boot in the right way. And the sack of chance where he just misses it because Eddie's in Kessie's nicked it. He just didn't quite shoot in the right way. Erdegaard and Saka both making their own chances by running inside and shooting. Like none of these are systematic creations of chances. These are all scrappy, you know, trying to make something happen, nicking it. And they're all kind of quite loose chances. And um, when you're relying on those kind of chances to win your games and like, Five times, like once, once every ten times, you're going to lose these kind of games. Whilst mm-hmm. we did technically create lots more than Southampton, had loads more chances, and then their keeper had a blinder. When you rely on these small margins, these kind of games happen. Yeah, no, and I think it's a good way to to look at it is that we're having chances, but what are the what kind of chances are we having? Are they clear cuts? Are they just shots from from outside mm-hmm. the box? And I think that's that's potentially a, a confidence thing as well. As, as you say, you know, you, you stack the, the wings with, with plenty of players and double up on Saka and Martinelli. And when the team's, you know, not winning and then you're feeling like, right, I need to, to really turn this on, it's hard when you haven't got your main spine to create those kind of chances. So you then take yeah. them on yourself to try and shift the ball and make something happen. And to a certain extent, that has a time and a place. You know, there's a, the Martin Odegaard goal. Um, against Brighton was, was just his own initiative trying to make it happen. And it was if only that we we were able to produce those kind of systematic goals that, that I think we'd be in a much better place. But it seems that the system at the moment is is not quite producing what we wanted to. And I think it has something to do with the personnel and potentially something to do with the confidence as well. So I think once we get that first goal, I think it's then we've broken the seal now and it'll go from there. And the quicker mm-hmm. we get those those players who, who form our, our spine back, the the better. But Unfortunately, that's not going to be too much of a reality this season. It's not. I just don't see any of the four coming back either. I mean, I know we keep talking about Tommy Asu. But do you notice that the club's got a really weird thing at the moment about just being coy about lengths of injuries? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's weird, isn't it? And Tommy Asu's been coming back for the last four months. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends how you define coming back, but it, it, yeah. it truly is. And I don't know the strategy behind it. I mean, you can get us on our, on the edge of our seats and maybe it's something to do with the team lineup that you don't want to tell the, the opposition, like, okay, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. it's hard for this, this or this, and then change their game plan. Yeah. You sort of want them to plan as if Thomas Partey or Tommy Asu or Tierney is going to play, and then they don't, yeah. um, and then sort of mess up their game plan. But I, I guess that could factor into it. But I don't know. I think maybe the, the staff are trying to figure it out themselves and there's lots of mitigating factors that they can't mm. give us a definite answer. I mean, with injuries, it's hard to say at times, whether it's three months, six months, or then they come back in seven weeks for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe it's trying to manage expectations, but I don't know. I'm, I'm keen on, on the story that they're, they're trying to mess with other teams' game plans yeah. a little bit. It makes sense. Uh, you know, fair play. I mean, um, and, and then Tommy asked you had a very specific one. I think he had been coming out a few times and he did the same thing to his other calf. Yeah, he was on um, the bench and then just didn't didn't go well for him. No. No, 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 not at all. Um, um, see, I'm just going to write something down here. So, some, uh, yeah, it makes sense. Just so I know, I've got a question for you. So, I'm going to keep that. Um, <laughs> and look, yeah, Samson's goal was a bit crap. Um, it was just that, that in these games of low margins and where Southampton create nothing all game, yeah. this is just one of those things that happens. Like, Come from I, a nothing ball, and then it's just mm, some form of centre back, left footed rocket, and then mm. it's. And then it's in. And then what can you do from there? Exactly. It just fell to the wrong place at the wrong time. Ben White was on the floor, meaning he yeah. had to play the guy on side. I, like, it's just a match of just chance that happens that then falls to his feet. Mm-hmm. Um, he powers it past Ramsdale, who I don't think he did anything wrong. Um, you know, what can you do? You just put your arms up and then the fact that they hit yeah. it was, was something. But exactly. you know, I don't think uh, you can blame him at all, at all for that goal. Yeah, what can you do? What can you do? So, um yeah, again, like not as much of a late flurry as, as I'd hoped as well. I think that was quite difficult. But I think when you go 1-0 down against a team that... Like the game state at 0-0 is incredibly different to 1-0. And mm-hmm. There's a lot of more anticipation at 0-0. Exactly, exactly. And the game state is that, you know, they still have to go out and win this game as well. Yep. So, But they played three at the back with a five-man midfield and they, they came here to do a job and they did a job on us. And I think we really struggled to create. I think the game will be different against Chelsea. Uh, but that doesn't make to say, you know, doesn't doesn't it a good kind of different or a bad kind of different? Oh, we'll find God. out. Yeah, Who knows? Well, hopefully they'll be tired. They played an FA Cup semi on the Sunday. Yeah, uh, they played 120 minutes. Um, so it'd be very interesting, very very mm-hmm. interesting indeed. Um, what else was going to ask you about the game? I, mean, I think what what it does it makes it extremely clear what we need to do in the summer, right? Yep. Um, I think it's exciting. Yeah, it, it, it's exciting. I guess like what what where. Do you ever think it's how you end the season uh, results-wise, whether you finish in the same place or not? Like, it kind of gives you a bit of a different edge as to how you're perceived in the summer. Yeah, I think so. I think if if you're going into negotiations with five defeats on the bounce, um, you haven't really got much much raw data or recent data to show that there's an upward progression or that there's a a positive vibe about it. I think... The whole point of these kinds of, or the benefit of these kinds of matches is that you're able to bounce back and you're able to say that, right, you know, we, we had that run of form, but then we ended on a high and then we're going to continue this and go on. There's that air of anticipation, that air of positivity in that sense within the training ground. And I think when you're entering into negotiations or players think about coming, I think they're looking for that kind of vibe as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it definitely helps out uh, to have that kind of good flurry at the end to say that, right, this is how we want to play and this is how we want to start. You can be part of it. Yeah, I think, and it's, 
I hope that the transfer window is going to be kind to us this next summer because, you know, I, what, what, what was really painful for me this summer, this week in particular, was looking at Bruno Guimaraes yeah. um, scoring two goals and a winner for, <coughs> for Newcastle. And, you know, you look across into Portugal and, you know, um, uh, sorry, Nunes is performing exceptionally well in the Champions League. Um, you know, and like playing against these big teams and scoring. And now he's not really a secret anymore. And these two players that we were really thinking about over the January yeah. period, and these are two players that we probably want who are going to be way more expensive than they would have been. And obviously we're not going to be able to get Camara. So I just hope we know what we're doing and are prepared to pull the trigger when need when need be. Yeah, and I think I think we just have to... We have to wait and see. I don't know anything else of, of what to do. And I think mm-hmm. it's always interesting with um, with attacking necessities when we need attacking players that you look for those sort of big names that are going to be scoring the goals and putting it in, in the ship. So you look at your your Isaacs, your uh, Osames, and uh, and also your your Blaovic back in the day. That would yeah. have been ideal. Um, but then I think the kind of positions that we have are, are quite exciting. I think we we have a good... Um, a good back four. We're going to need some reinforcements there. But the exciting chances, I think, will be in some very prominent positions that we'll be able to see them take to, like, hopefully, like, ducks to water yeah. in those positions in, in September. So I think it's always really exciting when there's a big striker that we need uh, or there's a central midfield or uh, anything like that. But those are premium positions as well. Mm. I think as, as well as those uh, squad depth, I think uh, we talked about getting an extra play in each position really in one of our podcasts. Um, I think that some of those players will be very interesting to see who we, who we take on that'll be able to influence the club in in a multitude of ways. Definitely. Definitely. Um, there's a lot to be done. That's for sure. And it, uh, you know, it's very exciting what we could do. And with a team with 73 shots and only three goals out of those in the last 73 shots, I think the exciting yeah. positions is exactly what we need. So tough times. Um, and look, I'm, uh, I'm just going to look at the table. Let's, I think it's time. You know, and, and then we'll do Dick of the Day and Man of the Match, and we can move on to some questions of women. So BBC okay. Sport, uh, oh no, it's a Premier League table. Um, I'm just trying to get a gauge as to who, okay, so Man United are fifth now. Of course they went ahead. Okay, we still have our game in hand, but that's not much has changed. We win our game in hand. We're level on everything with Tottenham apart from goal difference. Uh, we're still three points ahead of Man United. Man United got a tough run in. I think West Ham are probably slipping out of the picture now, to, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, God, a lot comes down to the games against both Spurs and Man United. Chelsea, doesn't it? That's it. It's, That's it's, it. That could make everything. That really, really, really a good. good stock of, like, I'm going to keep my Easter chocolate for them just in case I need to eat my feelings. <laughs> oh, mate, it's a good point. Actually, do you know what, mate? That's a shout. I've got some, I've got loads of Easter eggs. I forgot. Thank you so much for reminding me. Weird I'm going to eat some tonight. I'm going to eat some tonight. I deserve Fantastic. it. Oh, it's Liverpool United tomorrow. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, let's have a look. We can have to safe to assume that Tommy Asu, Party, and Tom, um, Tierney uh, are all going to be out for the rest of the season. So Chelsea away, United at home, West Ham away. That's mm-hmm. the next three. Okay. Um, I think we'll I think we'll beat West Ham away. Yeah, they're out there through to the next round uh, of the semi final, which is going to be hugely helpful for us. Mm-hmm. Arsenal Man United is a twelve thirty kickoff, which I'm just it's just not the one. I struggle with that. Under the lights, 
Yeah, we do. We do. We need an intense atmosphere for that. Um, yeah, and then we're kind of into the leads at home, which we should win. Uh, Spurs away, Newcastle and Everton. So anything can happen. Anything can happen. Um, That's the way to put it, I think, yeah. Should we do man of the match and dick of the day and then we can ask a question for each other and we can move on to some women's roundup because they've had a quite a disappointing weekend as well. Go yeah, oh, man, what a weekend. Um, okay, so you go first. Who's your dick of the day? I might start with man of the match because I haven't quite come up with the dick of the day. Uh, <laughs> okay, go for my, it. My man of the match, uh, it's slim pickings, mate, but I'm going to go with Nuno. I think I don't think he was amazing, but he certainly deserved... Uh, it was a confident performance and I think... It was a system set up to help him succeed, considering he'd had quite a difficult period. And I think he needed that because he's a very talented young left back. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad he got the opportunity to to, to do well. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I think I'm going to go for, for Martin Odegaard, A, because I'm obsessed. And B, yeah. because I think it was his, his first game as a captain, I think. True. That when the, the going's tough, I think that's what makes you a good leader. So if anything, it's going to help him continue yeah. on his, his leadership skills into the future. True, but I, I didn't think he was that good. I must say, I I, I thought he was a good leader. Um, yeah, so I'm giving it to him for his leadership. I don't yeah, think his idea. game was was as on point as it could have been. But I think he's been so good. That's the one. Mm. I I'd give him. Well, yeah. Let's let's get into that moment, I suppose. But um, okay, dick of the day, John. You you've got a dick of the day. Yeah, I'm gonna go Spurs. Um, yeah. as always, like any Arsenal fans. But I think, you know, last week I saw a lot of hype around like, yeah, Storm, you know, storming up the table. That's it. Conti knows what he's doing. And then they go lose 1-0 to Brighton. So I think yeah. I just, <laughs> I think yeah. it was Paul, Paul Merson who was like, yeah, Spurs, Spurs have got a Spurs in them. Like they're just going to do it. And yeah. he absolutely called it. And they're going to lose 1-0 at home to, to Brighton. So I think that was, that was fantastic. So I think Spurs dick of the day. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay, fair. Um, that's totally reasonable. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to give one, mm, how do I going to give it to you? I, I, I feel a bit bad about doing this. I don't usually give it to an Arsenal player. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> when you have scored one open goal in the last 18 games or whatever it is, yep. and you don't have many games left in your contracts and you're gunning to get top six or top four and your contracts up at the end of the season, Alex Lacazette, it's not really fair to come out and say, I want Champions League next football with another team. <laughs> I remember, I think it was a post on Arsenal Editor. It's like, he, they quoted him saying, oh, you know, I miss Champions League football. Yeah. And we're like, us too. Us too, man. <laughs> I was like, yes, mate. Like, so do we. What about <laughs> us? We don't bloody scored any goals, mate. Like, Yeah, um, I think that's fair. And I think he's been good for us. You know, I think he, we've over-indexed some of the stuff he has done, but we've under-indexed sort of... The level, like the need for him to score goals, like we don't necessarily need that because he's very good at when he's very good yeah. Yeah. opening up the team. Something I've talked about a lot. Um, but mate, <laughs> like, who do you think you are? Yeah, channel, channel the energy, yeah. please. It's not like you're, you know, it's not like you've got a prime Thierry Henry going. I need the Thierry. You know, this is thirty. So anyway, um, I've got a question for you then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can give me yours and then we can talk about uh, women's roundup so do you think actually I'm just going to rephrase this for saying I'm sorry I actually completely forgot to to ask everyone for questions and we did this podcast now on a Monday afternoon so um, I do apologise uh, we'll, we'll make sure that's back next week mm-hmm. do you think the fragility of the first team squad is an Arteta fault or part of the long term overhaul of the squad and the process such 
Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think it's it's an interesting question, and me being the optimist Arsenal fan that unfortunately I am, I think mm. it's a, a long term overhaul. But I think the Arteta fault then comes in when we didn't get the replacement. Mm. Um, so you're looking at your squad and that you see you've let Aubameyang go. I'm completely behind that. Lots of, like, Piers Morgan, I'm so sad that he's an Arsenal fan. Yeah, annoying. Chatting, chatting about, you know, how we shouldn't have let Aubameyang go. I think I'm all behind that. But when we let him go, there, of course, wasn't an appropriate replacement. But I think just someone else would have been would have been ideal. I think we chatted mm-hmm. to to one of, I think, a Real Sociedad striker as well. Um, but, but that would have been costly. So I can see why we didn't bring in a replacement, but I think that needed to be something that we were gunning for from the beginning. So we're looking at a lot of central midfielders. We just didn't get in that that mm. strike, and I think that's that was a problem. So I think part of the squad at the moment is not Arteta fault, and I think we should have got the replacement, and it's showing mm. now. Um, but I have full confidence that we won't be as thin next season, and I think that's the key. Um, that is the key to fill it out next season, to have that rotation and to have that competition as well. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it is interesting. I, um, you know, like we, we, we all know that the process is going to be overhauling the team. And I think it's a really positive thing that we're doing, getting rid of things like Aubameyang, who I'm delighted is doing well at Barcelona. Um, he was done. Oh, at Arsenal. He was done. Like, I, I think it was a really good no, move. He was done. Then it was fine. Um, so that's fine. It's just the it's it's not even necessary. Like the striker not replacing is a bit of an issue. But again, you could I could completely get on board with the argument um, that this is something that we need to make sure that it's the right person because for years we've just signed players and we don't need them and mm-hmm. or they've not been good enough and it's been a panic. But that's happened. I'm glad we're not doing that anymore. But mm-hmm. the the midfield not replacing party. Uh, sorry, not having a, appropriate cover for party and Tierney. And Tomiyasu, who was injured at the time, and Tierney and Party, who are extremely injury-prone players, is on us. That's that's on Arteta, it's on Edu, whoever it is. It's not good enough to have not done it. Um, and again, no, I don't quite buy the fact that there wasn't a right player from midfield because Guimaraes moved um, and we didn't quite pull the trigger there. Uh, there was a few loan options on the table that we didn't quite get. We're now stuck without party and having a lot of issues and having to put Xhaka at left-back and changing the whole team just to think about what we could do. And uh, yeah, but it's kind of, so I can't, probably the answer is a bit of both, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is a little bit of both, I think. But the key, no matter what the answer is, is that we are not this thin next season. No. Whether uh, we sign just for right now players or we sign those long-term players. Mm. It's tough. Yeah, I'm not quite sure where to place it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's see what happens in the summer. Did you did you have a question? Yeah. So sort of linking back to um, linking back to the captaincy. Who are you feeling for captain? Are you feeling Martin Odegaard? Are you feeling Tierney or Ramsdale? Mm. Uh, Benny White, 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 or Benny White, White, White. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's all good options. Gabriel, I think, would be quite good, but again. Language, language yeah, a bit young, maybe. Uh, I um, question Tierney. Whilst he would be brilliant, I just don't think you can have a captain that's that injury prone and prone. And I don't think I think that's starting to become a bit of an issue as a player generally. I think you know, at what point do you start thinking 
you know, this guy is actually quite injury prone. We probably need another first choice left back and a first choice midfielder. Party's going to be like that as well. But anyway, another conversation for another day. Uh, uh, Erdogan would be absolutely my pick. Yeah, 100%. I think he's got the leadership qualities, is everything that you'd want in an Arsenal player. I think he'll be here for the long haul. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think he, he makes people work hard. I think he's got good ethics and I think he's a class player. So, and who is only going to get better, in, in my opinion. So I'm on your team. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, 100%. And it's an interesting one. I think. Martin's just seen a lot. Um, mm. When you rise to fame as a 16-year-old uh, and then you immediately go and join Real Madrid with however much money you are earning as well. Mm. And then you're literally, yesterday you were playing FIFA with Real Madrid and playing with Ronaldo and Benzema and then you're literally standing next to them and training the next day. Yeah. Um, I think is is surreal. And I remember one of his interviews that he was looking for stability. He was looking for a home. And that's where he found it at Arsenal. And I think when you've got that player who's like, this is where I am, this is where I'm staying. Yeah. I've seen, I've been around, I've been, I've looked at all the shopping windows, I've been Real Sociedad for two years and then they cut me one year and then didn't play me the next year. Yeah. And then I've been to Vitesse, I've been to... Um, Another Dutch club, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's the one. And like in, in um, Nor- Herovin, I think it was as Herovin, well. Herovin, yeah, that's yeah. it, yeah. And then he's been, he played in Norway and then he's this big thing in Norway anyways. Yeah. I think that that all builds into into the ability to empathize and the ability to say that I know how you feel which which whichever young player he's talking to or new signing and I think that'll help build that kind of culture where everyone looks out for each other. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um and he he would be absolutely central to that. I would love it. Um Sounds good. I mean, let's see how we get on. We've got a very important game this week. I'm quite keen to see how we do. I'm very yeah. very nervous indeed. So um let's talk about the women's team because they've 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 got a really interesting run in this season um really really interesting running and of course it's whilst this wasn't the wsl it was it was a disappointing day nonetheless yeah no you're exactly right and it was it was a day um you know if you if you follow the the arsenal editor page instagram page and i hope you all do is that you'll see with the women's um post that i do is that i was building up to this game was huge and one of my posts i mentioned that yeah. It was the day to right the wrongs. And I mentioned in the past podcast that I was there when Chelsea wiped the floor with Arsenal at the at the final in, in December, FA Cup final that was uh, postponed from last season. And like Arsenal just weren't up to it. Um, they uh, Chelsea completely deserved to win. And unfortunately, they deserved to win this game as well. Um, <sighs> they just finished their dinner. They were clinical. They were just class. And it was so irritating to see that with a Chelsea team um, but it, it is a, it is how it is. Um, so interesting about the lineup is that Katie McCabe is our usual left back, played mm. right back. Um, and she's not wow. renowned for being two-footed at all. Okay. Um, so it was an interesting change because it was either you play uh, Weinreuther, who's the recent signing from Hoffenheim um, in, in Germany. She's an Austrian international who is an out-and-out right back. Um, or you play Noel Marit, who's been our first choice right back. And maybe there's been some form of injury or niggle or something that she wasn't picked. But mm-hmm. Katie McCabe is there. She either she usually plays left wing. Um, and then the other argument is that perhaps uh, Caitlin Ford has been in such good form that you needed to try to fit her in. And then that was the only way to, to fit it all in. Right. So it was an interesting decision in terms of the lineup. And there must have been some form of thinking that Katie's come up against this team thousands of times and that she has to play wherever she plays. Um, and then I think she's been deployed at right back every now and again, but not with great frequency. It's either been left wing or, or left back. Uh, so that was interesting from, from the start. 
And then I think it was a, a great call for Caitlin Ford as well to come in and to say that, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm ahead of Tobin Heath as well. Um, nice, so it's yeah. been, I think it's been great for, for her self-esteem in that sense and for her football. Um, and then we went with, with Stina Blackstenius as, as number nine again. Usual midfield now of, of Miedemar, um Kim Little and Leah Balti. Uh, and then we had a yeah, makeshift, a little bit makeshift back four with, with Zinsberg and goal. And Beth Mead at, at right wing was, was an absolute menace and deserved a goal. There was one clear chance, which I don't know how she missed, um, but it was a it was a Bergkamp-esque touch. Spin yeah. around the defender, but with a back to goal, spin around the defender onto her right foot and she smacks it. And you just expect the net, net to bulge. And this was in the first half and would have set the tone for the rest of the game. Um, and then she just puts it wide and it just was not um, the desired result, of course. So I think when that's happened... And then you're playing against Chelsea, it's just tough. And that's why I mentioned that we just didn't finish our dinner. Um, yeah. In the second half, it was just a, a Chelsea, Chelsea, sea of Chelsea attacks and sea of Chelsea possession. Um, it was uh, astonishing to see. And that they scored two fantastic goals. Um, the second one was from a rush clearance from Wubben Moy. If she just waited and let Zinberger pick the ball up, would have been ideal. But at that point, you're wired, you're under the cosh, and then you just mm -hmm. try and clear it, doesn't go to plan, and then G just uh, slots it top corner off the off the crossbar. So it was tough. And I think when you're playing in that kind of match, that this this kind of thing is only going to build your character more. But I would have liked to to see some some form of goal at least from from Arsenal to try and uh, right the wrongs of the of the last final in this semi-final. And I think it was definitely a better performance. Um I think it's we're definitely heading in the right direction. I think the transfers have been well managed and and well sussed out. I think Stina Blackstein has been great. I'm looking forward to seeing Mane Iwabuchi back. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Tobin Heath being able to come on is fantastic as well. Uh, but I think we still have some some movements to do in um, in the summer. I would like to see uh, potentially another cover uh, for uh, for left back just to give a little bit more competition to to Steph Catley mm -hmm. um, and potentially another midfielder. Because uh, Frieda Marnham is, is fantastic. Uh, but I think another out-and-out -out defensive midfielder like Leo Volti, just to give that cover, would be would be also fantastic. Just to play that kind of N'Golo, Kante, Makaleli role and just sweep up everything. Um, yeah. And then those wonder goals that I mentioned came in the second half. Uh, so they, they sort of buried it. I think it was... Um, Super quick in 60, succession, weren't they? Yeah, I think it was 61 and then 70-something. Yeah. Um, or potentially even even earlier. And I think the substitutions were then interesting. So after both goals, uh, Frieda Marnum immediately came on for Leo Balti. So that was an immediate attacking switch because Marnum is very much a box-to-box -box midfielder, whereas Valti sits at the back and, and cleans up. Right. Um, and then Heath and Nikita Paris came on for, for Stina and, and Caitlin Ford in the 71st minute. So trying to absolutely throw everything, kitchen sink, door, cat, uh, <laughs> at, at Chelsea. So I think it's, it was um, a brave performance, but we just didn't uh, get the results in. We had tired legs at the end. Um, our keeper was in good form. Zinsberger had could not do anything about uh, those two goals, and I think she's been solid throughout as well. Um, but it's it was tough, and it was a tough game when you're going for, for that long and it's that wired because the first half was seriously tactical, and it was like a game of chess, seeing who moves mm. where. And then eventually, yeah, Chelsea broke through, and then they just had that superior quality. Um, I'm glad um, Sam Kerr didn't rip through our team like last time. Yeah, I know, um, right? But they they ripped through our team anyways through through other through other means. So I think we had a valiant performance, 
Um, I think definitely my my player of the match would go to to the goalkeeper. Um, I think she was fantastic and can only do so much. Um, it could have been far worse if she hadn't put in as much of a shift. Um, but I think it's just food for thought for for next season. And now, if we can pip them to the title, just whatever reason, you know, football is football, that they lose out or that we uh, manage to to edge them in that sense, I think uh, it'll make the, the victory even sweeter. So the season's not over yet. Just got to hope that Chelsea slip up and that they ride their confidence a little bit too much. And then we just need to do our job. All we can do is win the rest of our games and then um, hope for the best. Yeah, and look, we're one point behind them in the league and yeah. um, we've got this run in and it's looking favourable. It's difficult to say that with Chelsea being Chelsea and it's no, there's no shame in losing to Chelsea. They, they are a machine in mm-hmm. a lot of different ways and we're catching up. You know, I think if we compare to where we were last season, I think we can all agree, I guess, apart from... Final wise, <laughs> league yeah. wise, you know, it's. I think we're on a trajectory that, that that makes sense, and if we can do some good stuff and um, in in the summer, then perhaps we'll be even further. And it, look, it, it sounds like it would be a trophyless season, obviously without the WSL if that doesn't come in. Um, but really, losing to Chelsea in the semi and Wolfsburg in the in the quarter of the Champions League is is certainly nothing to be, you know, too disheartened by um i think there's been a lot of play this season that's been very exciting um so what do you what, what do you think about the run-in then like obviously it's it's chelsea uh, it's hard to imagine they'll drop points um how, how do you think the team's going to look going into the end of the season do you think there's a good chance or yeah i mean i'm checking the the fixtures now and we've got everton then we've got aston villa spurs and west ham so spurs and west ham will be the most difficult games i think um, mm-hmm. But in terms of running, this is pretty favorable. Uh, I think we it's definitely possible that we we take a maximum points from these games. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's even more incentive. There isn't another competition that we're in to get these points and just to put everything in. And if we get pipped, you know, one point in it by the end of the season, it's a good season compared to where we were last season. So for those not familiar, Arsenal did not have Champions League football last season. And we just finished um, within the mm-hmm. Champions League spots. So I think this season to push Chelsea all the way and then just to be beaten by superior quality, I don't think that that's too alarming. I think that'll be fantastic fuel for the engine yeah. uh, for next season. So I think at the moment, I think the Spurs game will be tough, but it's definitely been hyped up as a London derby. It's home as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be a fantastic game. And I think that'll be that'll be one for for us to to definitely get get behind. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Only thing is that it's in quick succession. So we've got uh, Everton away on the 24th of April. Yep. We've got Aston Villa at home on the 1st of May. And then Spurs on the 4th of May at home. And then away to West Ham on the 8th of May. Is that because we we cancelled the Spurs game because of COVID? Yeah, I think that's definitely one Mm. of them. Um, Oh, no, they cancelled it, didn't they? Yeah, so they had some form of reason. But yeah, um, yeah. Okay. that's the one. So at least uh, Aston Villa is probably our longest away trip. And then you've got the London teams. So at least you're not traveling too much in those final fixtures. Sure. But sure. It's, it's quick succession. So the squad depth will definitely help. I think Marnham will definitely get into the starting lineup. I think Nikita Paris will sneak in a little bit for some of those mm. games. Um, and I think that, yeah, that this, will be, this will be some mm. some tough ones. And then our latest kickoff is the Tottenham game, 7-15, which I think plays into our favor as well. Under the lights, intense. Yeah. I think that'll be fantastic. And the rest of them, you know, Everton's one o'clock 
uh, Aston Villa's 2.15 and West Ham's 12. So not yeah. ideal kickoff times, but I think we can definitely get the maximum maximum 12 points, quick maths. Um, is the Spurs game at the Emirates? Or is Spurs it? Game, I think so, in theory. Um, I don't know if the rescheduling affects when affects the venue. Okay. Um, but as far as I'm aware, it's still at the Emirates. Uh, tickets, ruins. Because obviously most of the games aren't played there, so I just want to make sure. Um, yeah, because I just want to make sure that if we can, that's going to be really helpful, isn't it? I mean, yeah, Tottenham Hotspur, yes. Uh, I believe it is. Okay, fantastic. Uh, so that'll be even better, and it'll be even more of an occasion. Um, yeah, you know, certainly. Some of the, the players' first game uh, at the Emirates as well, or at least second, so I think that'll be that'll be fantastic. And that'll contribute. I think that'll be a great boost if we can absolutely thwack Tottenham. Um, I think we can then take that into our final game and, and, and steal it from there. Yeah, 100%. There we go. Yeah, Emirates Stadium, 7.4.15 on May the 4th, uh, 35 quid for adults. Uh, that's club level, actually. It's twelve pounds for adults. Oh, nice. um, awesome. Well, look. Let's hope that goes well, and hope the men's team goes well as well. Um, yeah. Let's look at some positivity. It's Easter. We can eat a lot of chocolate, and we might well get something out of Chelsea if we do anything interesting. So, we'll see. But, mate, Connor, thanks so much for jumping on. I appreciate you coming on Easter Monday as well. No, my pleasure. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity, and for for all our listeners, it's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. All right, mate. Let's enjoy it. Um, go back to eat your chocolate. And thanks everyone for listening. Happy Easter, everyone, and let's see how we get on in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I'll speak to you next Catch week. Catch you next week. See ya.